Let's take our Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 12. And while you're turning there, uh, let me say that if you are interested in giving to Faith Promise Missions, you can do so. There's an envelope in front of you there, unless you're on the front row. And uh, then you can also uh, go online to myhopeinfo.org and you can look at giving, the giving page, and that'll help. If you're not a member here, we're not after your money. We give people, we give missionaries the money that comes in. And if it doesn't come in, we don't give it. And so let me encourage you to, uh, to be involved. If you're a member of Hope Baptist, it has been for a long time uh, of, of a major pillar of our church. And uh, thank God for those who have given faithfully over the years. We have been looking at uh, the life of victory in the Christian. And yet it has seemed like the life of failure. Because we've looked at the life of David, and specifically the instance of David and his sin with Bathsheba. A lot of my a lot of my life, I have I have heard messages many many times about victorious Christian life, and many of the points that have been made are are valid, they're important, but it seems that uh, I heard a preacher talk about the difference of of the different types of churches, um, and and he said a lot of churches emphasize uh, the the consequences and the problems and, and the dangers, specifically things that you should not do. And he said, there are some preachers, some churches that emphasize from the words of God, they emphasize, um, here's what you do to avoid getting into that area. So in other words, not just the effects of the flesh, but dealing with the flesh beforehand. And so this is kind of before it gets into trouble. This has been kind of a, a little bit of a downer-type series because it's been about uh, the serious effects of the flesh. But I have, as, as we've gone through it, very, very painstakingly slow, I've realized that I've, I think that many believers don't actually treat sin as seriously as God does. We treat sin as, uh, whoops, ah, oh, my bad. Man, we all make mistakes. Spilled milk, am I right? It's the way things go. Hey, ah, shouldn't have done that. Ah, man, I hate it when I do that. I shouldn't do that again. That's the spirit with which we approach sin. So is it any wonder why we don't have victory over sin? Because we are not actually seeing sin for what it truly is. And so that's why we've looked at this uh, in such a slow manner. And it has been negative up to this point. In 2 Samuel chapter 12... You see that God, in his mercy, sends Nathan the prophet to call David out and to say, Thou art the man. We'll start in verse 9 tonight. He asked the question, Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Notice, first of all, Nathan charged David with despising God, and he, he equated despising God with despising God's commandments. Did you notice that in verse 9? Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord, verse 10, because thou hast despised me. 
Despise. What does it mean? It means to disdain. It means to have the lowest opinion of. It's, it's you know, they're, they're, whatever the group might be, for some of you, if I were to say, um, if I were to say, uh, let me get my head, let me get my mind in gear. Um, uh, what's the, from the 70s, uh, what was the Fonda girl? What was the name? Henry Fonda's daughter? Jane. Jane. Good or bad? Everybody, I mean, nobody liked Jane Fonda, especially among conservatives, right? Why? They, they, because of what she did, because she was anti-war, because she was an idiot, a lot of reasons, right? They, they despised her. They had the lowest opinion of her. Uh, you, ever, you ever run across any, uh, any YouTube videos of Madeline Murray O'Hare? Wow. She was the one that was very influential in, 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 in challenging the right of students to pray in school and, and, the, and to read the Bible and teachers to read the Bible. And she, was, she challenged that. And by the way, her son became a born-again Christian and says my mom was an idiot because she was. And, 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 and you say, well, that, she has a right and blah, blah, blah. I understand all that. But I, I will say this. We have opinions of things, Right? I won't bring this down into the, the, the level that's so banal of sports. If you were to say an athlete, oh, I can't stand that guy, right? Or anymore, I can't stand that, you know, uh, that girl or guy or whatever it might be, I don't know, in the, in the sports. What, yeah, they, they can, either way, you can go. Um, but we have opinions about things. We don't ever think about ourselves as having an opinion of God. What's your opinion of God? Like, you get to make... You get to have a perspective on him. You have the a privilege of having an opinion about God. And the Lord said to, to David through Nathan, I know what your opinion of me is. You disdain me. You despise me. You're going to draw a line from me committing adultery to, to despising you? If the Lord draws that line, do you think it's legitimate? Yes. The Lord said... You committed adultery because you despise me. That's a pretty phenomenal understanding. That helps us to know when we, dis- when we commit sin, when we go against the, 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 tr- the co- clear commands of God, and we say, I don't care, I'm going to do my own thing. It tells us what we think of God. But see, we have in our minds that we somehow have this hard drive that we can create partitions in. And we have a hard drive that's got like two or three partitions. And, and, and that side, I don't hate God. Over here, I love God in this partition, like this area. Sorry, for this is for the geeks out there. All right? Tupperware. I don't know. that work for you? Uh, different containers. And we think, well, I don't have a problem with God. I just really want to sin. The Lord said, no, 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 no. You ain't putting them in two different containers. They're in the same one. The reason why you commit that is the reason why you broke that commandment is because you hate me. I don't hate you. I just don't like that commandment. The commandment is an expression of God himself. He said, this is what I think should be done. This is what I don't think should be done. You ever say something like, hey, guys, what if we go to, you know, uh, uh, let's, what if we go to Burger King? Burger King? You ever throw your opinion out there and everybody shoots it down like crazy? It never happens to me. Maybe it happens to you. Well, then, okay, well, let's go to Wendy's. No, and, and it's, it's interesting is nobody can agree, right? 
Somebody hates Wendy's with, the, with the, all the passion of their soul. Somebody else can't stand Chipotle, right? And so you're trying to figure out, and, and you're like, well, it's just a preference. It just doesn't really matter. I, I don't really, everybody has their opinion. And we think, well, that's kind of the way it is with God. It's like not really important. It's like, I like Rocky Road ice cream. You like butter pecan. It's not like a big deal. The Lord says, no, no, no. This is what I like. And if you don't like it, you don't like me. That's pretty serious, isn't it? If you don't like what God likes, you don't like God. Stop trying to pretend like you love him, and you're so glad you're saved, but you just have this one little thing that you want to do. If God says don't do it, you don't care for God when you do it. That's what David was told here. The king knew about the commandments of thou shalt not commit adultery. That's like a big one. And for crying out loud... You already have like seven wives. But that just goes to show you the human heart's never satisfied. And so he knew about committing adultery. He knew that thou shalt not kill. That's a law. But they were unimportant rules to him. Those are the big two. There are no, there are no sacrifices to offer when you commit adultery to get forgiveness in the Old Testament law. You realize that, right? So what did, what, what, how did David get to that point? I don't think David even realized necessarily what he was doing because he made a distinction between what he liked and what God likes. The whole process of being conformed to the Christian life, uh, of being conformed to Christ in the Christian life, is is for me to recognize I've been crucified. I'm dead. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The hardest thing in, in the world is recognizing that I have likes and desires that don't jive with God's likes and desires. And so I want to argue with other Christians about what God likes and what God doesn't like, when ultimately, I don't really care what God likes. I care what I like, and I don't care what you like either. I just want to do what I want to do. So I'd rather spend my time arguing with you about what what I'm allowed to do or not allowed to do. Ultimately, what it comes down to is I, I don't care what God wants me to do. And if you could just bring it down to that base level and recognize, I committed adultery because I despise God and his word. If you could be honest with yourself, the reason why you look at what you look at that you know is wrong is because you despise God and you despise the commandment that says you can't look at it. The reason why you harbor envy in your heart, the reason why you have a problem with covetousness, and you're not content, the reason why you are angry is because you despise God. I don't despise God. We all make mistakes. See what I'm saying? And I'm not telling you that you're not saved. I want to remind you that David received forgiveness from this sin, the sins that he committed. He received forgiveness from it. But God said, you don't like me. You, go, you hate me. You abhor me. That's why you do what you do. And what, the, what that will do is it will help you to recognize how serious sin actually is to God. It's very serious. To sin willfully is to say, I do not trust the giver of the commandment. David was looking for happiness. He's looking for joy, pleasure, outside 
of the ways of his maker. And why? He did it because he looked at God's commandments as a hindrance to his, to his life. What God was trying to tell him to do was going to keep him from actually enjoying life. Isn't it true that the devil will tell you sometimes it's not fair that we as Christians have to do this or can't do that? Young people have a tendency to say this. And they'll say, well, I, I just, you know, I, I don't understand why we can't. I don't understand why we have to. I don't understand what all these rules. And you look at that and say, if we could just get rid of all those rules, then you would be happy. That's like a guy saying, I want to, I'm just tired of people telling me what to do. I'm going to go join the Marines. You're going to live with rules. They may be court-appointed rules. You're going to live with somebody telling you what to do somewhere. You, you may have to check in with, you know, your parole officer every month. I thought you wanted to live free. But now you've got to check in with him every month to make sure that you're doing what he, what the, what the judge told you, you you have to do. You see, you're going to live with rules somewhere. The devil tells you that God's rules are what are keeping you from being happy. But let me ask you this. Haven't you broken God's rules up to this point before? If you've broken God's rules up to this point, at least once, twice, whatever it is, how's that worked out for your happiness? Has it made you happier? Haven't you realized that every time you break a rule, it doesn't bring joy. It brings momentary pleasure followed by guilt. Momentary pleasure followed by guilt. Satan resists and resents the dominion of God. And he doesn't, he doesn't, he, why? He believes that he is better suited to govern his own life. And believers who are carnal, who are, who are under the, the decept, deceptive spell of the devil, they believe that they're better off governing their own lives, right? Like, I don't understand why people keep telling me I can't. And they think, I, if I could just do things my own way, I would be so much happier. But, that, but you know what that's really saying? That's saying that God's rules cannot make me happy. God doesn't know how to make me happy. That's the opposite of what he said in 1 John. What did he say? This is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not, what? Grievous. They are not difficult. They do not grieve the heart. You know what grieves the heart? Sin grieves the heart. God's rules don't grieve the heart. You know what they do? They temporarily restrict you. They hold you back from being an, a, an, an unqualified idiot just for a short time so that you can have freedom to live your life without the consequences of, of the sin that you've committed. You ask people who have chosen, let's say, let's say, uh, let's, let's, let's put it in the area of, uh, of purity, physical, physical purity. You ask the people who have gone out and said, I, maybe they didn't know any better, maybe nobody ever taught them. They just went out and they did what they did and they, they got what they wanted and they enjoyed it. But you ask them how much lasting joy they have received as a result of that. If you flip that around, 
and you look at the people who have been constricted, who, who their parents care about their purity and say, hey, we ain't doing that. We ain't doing that. By the way, any godly parent is saying to their kids, you're not going to do that. We're concerned about your purity. We could say amen there, right? Concerned about your purity. And by the way, if you're concerned about your purity, you're, your kid's purity, you're going to have to be concerned about what type of devices they have and what access they have to what devices and what movies and what stuff and what access their friends have to devices. You have to be concerned. Listen, I know that's Neanderthal to talk about caring about your children's purity. But the fact of the matter is, you think we're some kind of evolved human? Have you looked at Americans recently? We're not better off than they were a hundred years ago. We're not better people. We have more devices. We're not smarter just because we can ask, you know, AI to write our book report. We're not smarter. Okay? We don't have the character that they had. That doesn't mean that the further back you go, the more godly you get. But I'm just saying, maybe we could take a chill pill on how advanced we are. Humans are humans are humans and have always been so since the Garden of Eden. Your kids are not some special kind of kid that doesn't have some type of hormonal drives. We have to be conscious of this. We have to be careful with to watch it. But you know what happens? Parents can, can say no, 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 and kids can get in their mind. Well, you're only saying no because, because you don't want me to be happy. Like your mom and dad don't buy you everything they can for Christmas. Of course they want you to be happy. They just don't want you to be happy for one tiny sliver of a, of a moment in time and then miserable for decades. Why would any parent want you to be happy for a sliver of time and then miserable? The first one's free. The devil gives out samples all the time. And then you're hooked. I, I, don't, know about, <laughs> I don't know about you. I'd rather be miserable for a sliver of time. The blessing of the Lord that maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. I can tell you this from personal experience. I don't like to talk about myself much, but I can tell you this. I have been abundantly blessed for almost 24 years, and I've never had a sliver of a moment of time where I have been feeling guilty for what I did with my spouse before we were married. Not one moment of time have I, have I said, oh, I wish I hadn't. I'm not jumping down your throat. I'm not condemning you and judging you. And please, don't recede into some kind of self-righteous cave right now. I'm trying to tell you that it is a privilege that, that, that if you will say, God, here, I'll follow you, I'll do what you say, God blesses you abundantly for the rest of eternity. Now, I, I, believe me, I understand that grace is available from God. I've got regrets in my marriage, but I'm thankful that that's not one of them. And it doesn't have to be yours either, young people. You don't have to. Hey, listen, God is not holding back on you. He's holding you back so he can bless you. You know the reason why uh, some bosses are harder on some employees? Not always. But there is such a thing as a boss who pushes an employee because he sees something in her that he wants to develop. The best bosses want the best employees. And they will push that person harder than they push other people because they want you to be the best. God wants you to have the best life. 
And so he says, I've got some rules and guidelines. You break them, it's not going to work. Why? Because you're not God. You didn't create the world. You don't get to come up with the rules. Follow my rules, and you can have joy. But Satan said, I, no, no. You, you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. You can be just like God. You can create your own, your own designer Christian life. I mean, who's to tell you that you can't? Who's to tell you that you're not allowed to? Don't you have some... Have you watched Christians down through the years who have decided, you know, I don't think it's that big of a deal. We make such a big deal out of stuff. Be careful. Be careful. You might be selling the entire concept of having a relationship with God down the river before you know it. Don't, don't tell me that, that Christians are happier because they no longer have to be involved in church. Don't you recognize that the kingdom of God is within you? Our, our, our walk with God in relationship is not primarily this building and all the accoutrements that we have, physical things. It's inside of you. You know what that means? If you're born again, you're ruined for the rest of your life. Because you'll take the kingdom of God with you wherever you go. You might be drinking. You might, you might be hanging out, you know, wherever you fill in the blanks. And feeling like, I finally, thank God and Greyhound, I'm out of there. XIFB. <laughs> you can be X all the things you want. But if you're saved, you've got the Holy Ghost inside of you and he ain't happy. And he's going with you everywhere you go. The commandments of God are not grievous. Let's look at verse 11. The wages of David's sin are here. He said, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of the sun. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. Oh, my. Fivefold. Here it is. There's going to be many deaths in David's family. Number two, the first is going to be the death of the baby. Number three, evil is going to rise up against him from his own children. Number four, his wives are going to be treated just like he treated Bathsheba. And number five, all of the nation is going to know about these atrocities that he committed. When you play around with God's rules and he has to bring the hammer down, he will bring it down harder than you ever thought he could. Come on, God, where's the love and mercy? And the Lord looks back and says, where's the respect? You see, we all want a God that's just up there, and he's kind of like, you know, just a nice guy, Uncle God. He just lives up there, and he basically is there to make my life good. And if he ever, you know, if I ever stub my toe, he's like, oh, it's going to be okay, I got you. I just live, I, he's so nice, I love God. And what I really love about God is he lets me do whatever I want. I don't have to even believe anything that he says. I don't have to read the Bible. I don't have to pray. I don't have to care about soul winning. I don't have to give church money to the, you know, whatever. I can do whatever I want. I love you, God. Of course you love that God. Like all the kids love uncle so-and-so who lets him do whatever they want. Be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap. When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth what? Death. Behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will what? Find you out. That's what, that's what uh, Moses said. Hosea said, they have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. You know what? None of these verses say that God is punishing people who sin. 
The truth is, sin is punishing you. It's the consequences of sin. Sin causes pain and heartache and sorrow and death. God doesn't even have to do anything. All he has to do is withhold his grace and his mercy and his protection and his blessing. By the way, why should God keep blessing you if you keep disrespecting him? You think he's an idiot? It's like saying, it's like a kid walking up to his mom saying, hey, mom, make me some breakfast. Slaps her in the face. Let's go. Come on, move it. I don't know any any self-respecting mother that would put up with that. At the very least, you're going to withhold what you can do for that child. Why? Otherwise, you are facilitating the wrong behavior. Why would God bless you for disobeying him? You think, oh, God's punishing me. No, God is just not blessing you. Maybe your perfect life, your fulfilled, satisfied life was because God was blessing you. And now that you've turned and said, I don't need you, God. I can do my own thing. He's just not blessing you. You know, after a while, if somebody brings you a Coke every day at work, you start to think that it's like what they're supposed to do. Like, where's my Coke? Right? Isn't that crazy human nature? We all have the same human nature. We think that any blessings that we have been getting, we should continue getting because we are, we, we are who we are. All, David, all God had to do with David is say, I'm not going to bless you. I'm going to let the consequences of your own sin run their full course. And they did. You see, we're tempted to focus on the punishment and, and we're, or, or to focus on the crime. But here, the Holy Spirit points us to the cause. The cause. He said, because thou hast despised me. David didn't think this through. None of these verses are saying God punishing his people. He's he's saying that sin is going to punish you. Now, take your Bible, look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Man, what a privilege to be back here at Hope. I had had that thought several times today. It's a real real blessing. Chapter 6, verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. David did not think he was declaring his abhorrence of God. He was just loving what he loved. But David the king showed that his supreme love was his flesh, not his God. So let me ask you this question. With that sin that you can't get over. And by the way, that's a lie. The sin that you can't get over is a lie. I'm not saying it's difficult. I'm not saying it's not, it's not a, a challenge and a battle. Didn't the Lord tell us it was going to be a battle? But the sin that you can't get over, it's not, a, it's, not a, it's not really true. But that sin you constantly go back to. Let me ask you this. Have you ever considered the fact that you love your flesh more than you love God? That's why you keep going back to it. If you stop and think about that for a moment, it might help you. It might reframe the thing. Because what we, in your mind, we sometimes think, well, I'm a good person, but, you know, I just slip and fall. You know, it's like all, every country song. You know, I'm trying, but, you know, I'm just a man. Right? And, uh, but maybe it's like me trying to explain to my wife why I don't love this woman. I just want to hang out with her every week. 
Can you imagine me trying to explain that? Man, I, I can talk and I can try to form an argument, but ain't nobody can frame that argument to where my wife would accept it. And you, and you women, you, you that are married, you understand exactly. But let me ask you this. What does my wife instinctively know? Hey, listen, I, I'm not doing anything with her. I don't put my hands on her. I'm just talking to her. You know what she instinctively knows? There's a problem with my love. That's the reason that I'm trying to convince her that it's not a sin. There's a problem with my heart, and I won't even come out and say it. Now, by the way, just so you know, thank God that is a hypothetical story. All right, some of you are like, I've been, mm-hmm, Baptist church, mm-hmm. I watched that documentary, I know. Mm-hmm. I know them shiny people. I know all about them. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is a hypothetical story. Notice my wife is in the audience, and I am fried if it's not. You love your flesh. That's the core issue. That's the core issue. And if you would acknowledge it to yourself, if you would just be honest and stop calling a mistake and stop calling it a boo-boo, we should banish that word from the English language. Stop calling it a, 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 a fault, you know, a slip-up. Just call it what it is and say, God, I love this thing more than I love you, and I don't know how to say this to you. I'm sorry for it, but it's true. It's true. I would rather have this thing than I would have you. If you can start talking straight like that to God, you will get some help from God. I can tell you that from personal experience. When you don't come to God and you pretend like he doesn't really know and it's not a big deal and it's like, well, we all struggle and I don't want to tell God as if God doesn't know. You're going to live a miserable life. Modern Christians today, they think they can commit sin and love the Lord. That verse right there from the mouth of the Son of God himself tells you that it's not true. Let's read it again. No man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You show me the gray area, Christian. 21st century American Christian who has it all figured out because you watch 17 different YouTube preachers and you listen to all kinds of deconstruction podcasts. You tell me the gray area in that right there. There's no gray area. Now listen, I'm not God. This is the Son of God himself saying, you can't do both. Make a choice. I'm not telling you you have to be an independent fundamental Baptist or you hate God. That's not what I said. This is God himself speaking. And he said, you have to choose. Because if you think you can hold on to both, you don't love either one, you don't hate either one. He said, that's not even an option. The only two options are, you love this one or you love that one. And if you love this one, you hate that one. If you're holding on to this, then you're despising that. Or vice versa. Man, God, he, he has a way of calling us out, doesn't he? He doesn't leave us any room. Now, let me, let me just say this. Parents, this is very difficult to explain to, a, to a, a child. And truth is, you're not God, and you have to be very careful that you don't pretend like you are God when you're explaining this to your children. Because if they don't love God, that's between them and God. You can't make your child love God no matter how many rules you have. You can't. Uh, that also doesn't mean you shouldn't have any rules, by the way. 
You should have some rules. But you can't make your child obey God with rules. But, but, but remember this. There is no gray area. You either are wildly in love with God or you are in love with yourself and your flesh. David could not hold Bathsheba in his arms and hold God in his heart. He had to despise one or the other. And he chose to despise God, didn't he? God himself said, thou hast despised me. We don't want it in that term because it's like, ah, it's my DNA. It's my heritage. It's my background. My dad really struggled with this. God said, no, thou hast despised me. And if you're going to have a relationship with God, it's going to be you and God. you got a problem with God, you need to talk to God about it. If you have a problem loving God, you need to talk to God about it. If refusing temptation is an evidence of love for the Lord, then giving in to temptation is evidence of despising the Lord. David held a higher opinion of himself than he did of God himself. So that will help you when you're starting to look at your sin. I'm trying to get over this. I'm trying to get over this. Just call it what it is. You like sin better than you like God. Just be honest with yourself. What are you scared of saying that for? Just be honest. You say, well, I'm afraid I'm going to let it go. See, that's the, that's the illusion we're all under when we get involved in sin. That somehow we have control of it. And that we're only giving our, our heart a little bit of leeway to sin. We're not going to, I mean, not going to be stupid and let, it, let, let all the calves out of the gate. I mean, we, we're going to be careful with this thing. And the Lord says, no. You start letting any calf out of the gate, and you don't like me. David had a higher opinion of himself. He wanted to gratify his flesh and his, satisfy his lust more than he wanted to delight in the Lord. So David is going to reap the reward that sin pays. But I want you to see here. Look what he says in verse 13. God's response to a sinner. Oh, this is good. And David said unto Nathan, he's faced with the facts. He finally tells the truth. I have sinned against the Lord. Now, that, that's a statement that's used several times in Scripture. And we won't take the time to go there, but it's used several times facetiously. I have sinned. You know who said I have sinned? Pharaoh said I have sinned twice to Moses. I have sinned. He wasn't intending on serving the one true God. He just wanted to get a reset button from Moses. I've sinned. You know who else said it? Balaam, the prophet, said, I have sinned. You know who else said it? Said it twice. Saul, King, King Saul said it. He, he actually said this. I have sinned. He said this to Samuel, the prophet. Samuel called him out and said, what, what's the bleeding of the sheep? What's all this? I mean, what, what are you doing? And, 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 they, and Saul tried to first say, well, I wasn't, wasn't really doing anything wrong. I mean, I, yeah, you, know, you, you get it, right? You get it, like, really? And no, he said, no. He said, rebellion is a sin of witchcraft. Thank God for people who will not back up when people start pushing the envelope. Saul, Samuel said to Saul, no, to the king himself. And he was afraid for his life. Read, you'll see Samuel was afraid of Saul killing him. Samuel said, no, you're wrong. You're rebellious. You're, you might as well be a witch. And so what did Saul say? I have sinned. And then he said, yet honor me now in the sight of the elders of Israel. See, that's, that's what we want, isn't it? 
The devil gets in there and, and, and our flesh gets involved and we say, I've sinned, I've sinned, but come on, give me a little something on this. Just give me a little space. But when David said it, he meant it and God knew he meant it. Because watch what God said immediately. Nathan said unto David, verse 13, The Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. David confesses his sin. What a blessing. And what does God do? The Lord puts it away. Even though he committed two death penalty offenses, the Lord put his sin away. He is not going to die. His sin is forgiven. And I'm going to tell you, my little children, these things write unto you that we sin not. And if any man sin, 1 John, not when any man sin, if any man sin, it is not a foregone conclusion that you're going to sin. If you sin, I have some good news for you. We have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Wow. What, what an ad, advocate that we have. That he can forgive our sins and the sins of the whole world. Aren't you glad for that? Thank God. That you can be made righteous. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from how much sin? All sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a blessing. Nathan was able to say from the mouth of God himself, God hath put away thy sin. Thank the Lord for it. But he says in verse 14, how be it? How be it? We're not talking about David's relationship with God now. We're talking about David's consequences for his own sin in connection with other people. Christian, I, I really want to, I want to emphasize this point as much as I can, especially young believers. This is something that is underemphasized, at least in my upbringing. Uh, uh, I'd probably not underemphasize. I probably just had my flesh was in the way too much. I didn't care. God will forgive your sins, but you are going to have to deal with the consequences of your sin. Why don't people just forgive me? Because they're not God. God has the power to forgive sins. Many people do not. Some people do. Because they get their power from God's forgiveness and they forgive others. Well, they ought to forgive me. They ain't God and you ought to stop trying to make them God. You ought to be grateful for the forgiveness that you have from God himself. But remember that word, how be it? Verse 14, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. He has to pay the consequences of his sin. Number one, David confesses his sin. And that's when you forsake your sin and you don't repeat it. I'm done. Confess it, right? Number two, the Lord puts it away. Number three, David has to pay the consequences of his sin. You're going to have to pay for what you did. Well, I don't know why God doesn't just clear it all up. Because God is going to allow you to reap the consequences of what you did and how it affected other people. God is not going to punish David. But the things that were set in motion by his transgressions will be allowed to play out. And I, listen, there are people in this room that could stand and say, please listen to this. 
Please listen. We could emphasize the young people, but the the fact of the matter is this. As an adult, your greatest sin might be this week. Be careful. God loves you and he's provided forgiveness in the person of Jesus Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection. He has the power. Anyone that has the power to come back from the grave under his own power, having paid for your sins, has the power to forgive your sins. And he does want to forgive you. But please listen. You may ruin your life interpersonally. You may live a nightmare for decades. And you don't want to do that. And don't, t- don't tell me that I just don't want you to have fun. You're putting it back on me. I'm putting on you tonight that there are consequences to sin. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable. You live with the joy of the Lord in spite of all the junk you have to deal with. Not because of the things that you did. So stop, please stop and think for a second beyond the next split second of your life. Think a little bit further ahead. You say, why are you so fired up? Because when you've had to deal with the consequences of sin, and you don't have an answer, and you can't make it all go away and fix it, you start to recognize the devil's nasty. And people are deceived by him every day. God's not going to punish the man. He's going to let the sin do that. God is allowing the master that we chose to serve to give us our reward. People think today they can despise the Lord, they can serve their flesh, they can commit their sin, say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and then be forgiven and live without any consequences. I'm sorry, but you are gravely mistaken. Dead wrong. It's not going to happen. You will face consequences for what you do. And don't be so shocked When people have a hard time forgiving you for what you did. It's amazing how people can get this self-righteous indignation over Christians that don't seem to care. When it was your sin that caused them to be upset to begin with. Maybe you ought to climb down off your high horse and recognize you're the only, you've given great occasion to the people of God to blaspheme. Just remember, God is letting, God's forgiveness does not change the course of events that our sin sets in motion. And it does not remove the consequences. The classic example you've heard, if you get into an accident because you're drunk driving and you lose a limb, let's say you lose your arm because it gets smashed by another car, God is not obligated, nor have I ever heard of him giving a person a new arm. If that arm is destroyed, it's done. Now, we can put prosthetics on, and we can, we can do the best to, to, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that God allows us to have grace. But I'm just telling you, nothing works like your original arm. And if you lose one, you're going to have to wait till you get to heaven to get a new one. God doesn't want that to happen in your life. And here's the thing. God didn't make it happen in your life. Your sin made it happen. Let's take our Bibles to Galatians 6 and we'll close tonight. Boy, you can tell I haven't preached in a while. Galatians 6, verse 7. 
Don't worry, I'll run out of things to say by next week. Verse 7, be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. That's an ominous verse, but I want you to read the next one. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but, oh, thank God, thank God for his grace, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Some people are miserable until they get to heaven. Some Christians can go through fire and almost seems hell itself and can have life everlasting. What's the difference? What you sow to. And he said, let us not be weary in well-doing. That's the sowing to the Spirit. For in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. Christian, if you can look at your life and say, boy, I'd really like to have this, but I know it's wrong. So, God, I'm going to suffer temporarily because you say no. I'm going to say yes to you. I'm not going to despise you or your commandment. I'm going to love you with all my heart, even if you say no to this. I can tell you this. If you don't faint, you're going to reap. You're going to reap life everlasting. The blessing of the Lord that maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. You're going to reap joy. Yes, it might be painful and temporary, but in the long run, you're going to be happy that you listened to God. You're going to be happy that you loved God. Why? Because God is good. He is good. He is the best. He cares like no one else cares. He knows more than anyone else knows. And he loves you more than anyone else can, including yourself. So trust him. It may take some time, but I promise you, God is not going to leave you without joy. He's going to bring a harvest of life everlasting. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Thank you for your patience tonight. Dear Father in heaven, I want to thank you so much for your forgiveness. But I also want to thank you for something unusual. Thank you for not budging. Thank you for not acting like me. Thank you for not pretending that sin isn't sin. Lord, if there's someone here tonight that says, I've been pushing back against God because God, I don't think, really likes me. And that's why he is holding back. Lord, I pray that you'd help them to have a change of mindset tonight and recognize that You love them, but they need to submit to your commandments and your love. Lord, help that person who is caught in the web of sin. I pray that you'd help them to stop and echo the words of David when he said, I have sinned. Lord, I know your grace and mercy will be there. And for those whose hearts are humble before God and yet have to reap consequences of sin. Lord, would you give them grace? Give them mercy. Help them to know that you love them. And Lord, that you're with them every day. Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight to love you more than anything else. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Would you stand tonight?